Welcome to Radio 815, the podcast about writer, director, J.J. Abrams. Also, the podcast about his greater bad robot universe. I'm your host. My name is Marcelo Inostroza. As always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's show, we'll be discussing Alias Season 4, Episodes 12 through 21. So, Essentially, that is the second half of season four. So with that all said and done, Matt, what did you think about this second half of Alias? So I really liked the second half of Alias season four, much more so than the first half. And partly because starting with the first episode that we're talking about, episode 12, which detailed a lot of Nadia's sort of past and and that kind of stuff with the orphanage, we dive more into the family connections, the mythology of backstories and the Rambaldi stuff does start to ramp back up towards the end while still having lots of really entertaining spy missions thrown in. So it felt like they realized, okay, in the first half of the season, we didn't really do the stuff that people love about alias. Um, so they brought back a lot more of the, the character depth, the character drama and the mythology. And even one thing I want to point out in that first batch of episodes, I don't think there was any that started with the, you know, at this point exhausted almost to death in season three, you know, starting in media res and then jumping back to like 48 hours earlier, but they brought back that trope during these final ones because they realized that was kind of an alias staple. And there was that one episode that started where we saw Dixon get shot and then the, the shooter takes off his mask and it's Vaughn. And then we jumped to 48 hours earlier, which literally in the 11 episodes before this, like we didn't do even once. Um, so it was nice that they sort of realized, Hey guys, we've gotten away from what this show is about. And they got back to it while bringing the fun and more of the family drama with, you know, Jack, Sydney, Irina, and then revealing another Derevko, Elena, and how all of that uh, weaved in. So definitely more entertaining than the first half for me. I really uh, loved this second half. And if I could just, you know, steal my co-host's points, I loved it because it felt more sp- uh, spyrific, if uh, if that's a word, yeah, it felt a little bit more focused, and I did like where a specific storyline led. Um, I love the fact that, um, well, well, I'll just I'll just tell you one of my favorite one of my favorite episodes in the second half was when Sydney got buried in it got buried in a box. Yeah, the Drew um, Goddard episode. Oh, that, that was a Drew Goddard episode? I, I didn't notice. But I love uh, um, episodes where writers put their characters in, uh, in enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a better enclosed space than in a box. And I thought that was a wonderful episode, especially for Marshall. Um, because he kind of get kind of got the opportunity to get out of the chair and 
do something for someone who he, who who he has grown to love, who he's considered, you know, a colleague, a friend. And it mm-hmm. was just great watching him try to navigate in a foreign country, you know, uh, speak Spanish, build that little thing to track Sydney down. Also, I did like that the the strain that that put on um, uh, uh, Jack, uh, Vaughn, and even Sloan, right? Mm-hmm. But I did like where um, where the search for wh- where Vaughn went in the second half, and how the search for his father led to something bigger. You know, you know, led to. Uh, uh, led to the uh, the the overall um, uh, anti more evil or Sloan. I thought I thought that actor uh, brought a level of me- brought a level of menace menace to Sloan that the uh, original actor playing Sloan actually uh, didn't quite do. I thought he was great, um, and that uh, that whole storyline allowed us to understand. That even though Sloan kept saying that he was over the Rimbaldi stuff, he wasn't over the Rimbaldi stuff. As a matter of fact, he was like a psycho in waiting. Because, for example, when he beat up that henchman in the mm-hmm. in the warehouse when when he was when he was right beside the Rimbaldi device, he went insane. He basically yeah. he he basically clubbed the guy to death, unhinged. And and when he ultimately turned. On the team and 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 went AWOL, and to the point where the team you know has to you know has to mount up and 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 basically save the world. Um, I I thought that I thought that whole thing was great, and I love the fact that um, we got to figure out the Vaughn mystery. Uh, the Sloan clone I thought was a genius idea. And the Marshall stuff and the fact that Marshall was a little bit more involved in this second half, I really enjoyed. Because I don't think that Marshall, I mean, you, I mean, Matt, you love Marshall, but for me, Marshall really hasn't clicked uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like him, but I haven't really fallen, I, re- I really haven't fallen in love with him as a character until this second half, until what he does. Uh, right in the second half, I, I feel that by giving him more stuff to do, I was endeared to him uh, that much more. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Like for example, I loved uh, when Arena showed back up again. I thought I thought that was great. Like 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 you you, you know like when she showed up in the forest and she smacked Jack in the face. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. You know? And on top of that, the halo jump, uh, uh, the the halo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it felt like a page out of Fallout without the great uh, actual practical effects. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like the halo jump, and then and then focusing on the the, the big Rambaldi device, and then and then Sydney's face. But you know what? All throughout that scene, I was thinking, excuse me, you guys did a halo jump from a very high atmosphere. You guys would be. You guys would be out of oxygen, first of all. So where are your breathers? Because you guys jump from a massively high height. Marshall developed some sort of tech that he just didn't tell us about. So yeah, I'm like, so I, you know, you know, for a second, I, 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 I thought that because 
that scene, like, uh, like like you just said, Matt, it was very res- very reminiscent of the Tom Cruise Halo jump in Skyfall. Except in Skyfall, it's it's uh, much more elaborate. It's high concept. They have the money to do it, and it makes more sense um, <laughs> than just putting on some random helmets without any proper breathing gear and jumping out of a plane. And that's totally like some spy stuff, though, right? They just, we got to jump, we got to jump. Yeah. And uh, I really liked, you know, like you said, I have always loved Marshall just because he's so funny and awkward. And uh, seeing him be exhausted and tired because of his kid. And then even when they're on that mission and he has to sing on the phone to get the kid to go to sleep, um, to get Mitch to calm down. I thought that was all great and definitely really did endear us. And one of my favorite things of the entire series is Arvin clone because it seems so stupid, but the way that they do it is so awesome. Um, like on paper, you're like a Sloan clone and you're like, okay, a guy who happens to look very similar to Sloan and they implant his mind. But the way that they did it was awesome. And for that to be the catalyst for Sloan's obsession to rear its ugly head, was awesome because this whole time that we thought he had put his obsession behind him and was no longer actively searching for Rambaldi devices and trying to figure out what was going on, his work was actually continuing on. And he was, in a way, he was still doing his mission. He just didn't know it. And for that, finally, when we find out, like, okay, all of this Vaughn stuff has been a ruse and all of this has been manipulation orchestrated by Sloan and then Sloan's like, but I didn't do any of this. Yeah. That seems like something season two me would have done, but I didn't. And then they're like, well, then what the hell's happening? And when they finally realize like, okay, what has happened and all the pieces start to fit together, it's awesome. And like you mentioned, when he is in that warehouse and they brought back the main big red ball Rambaldi device that we know and love from earlier seasons is such an awesome callback, but to have Sloan there and seeing it, and you can just see the look on Ron Rifkin's face as he goes from reform Sloan, who earlier in the season was talking to Sydney about how great it was that him and her were actually on a mission working together for the first time. And that, you know, he's a changed man and you see all of that slip away in an instant. And that old, Son of a bitch, Rambaldi obsession um, slips back over him and he can't control himself and he murders that number two guy, uh, beats him to a pulp. And then old Sloan, game back on, um, was one of those awesome like, okay, they've earned this because we've had reform Sloan for 20 episodes where they've been trying to tell us over and over like, this guy has changed. This guy has changed. And old habits die hard in that one instant. Um, and it starts the end game for the rest of the, the series to ramp up, which I really appreciated. Um, having Jack uh, expose himself to that radiation is kind of like a, a thing that shows do a lot where somebody's kind of given a death sentence and then we've sort of gradually learned that it's not quite a death sentence. And even Alias has done similar things before. But that, showing the stakes, showing how far Jack will go, um, was really nice. And it sort of strengthens his and Sydney's relationship, especially as 
new information comes to light where Sydney finds out that Irina did not put a hit out on Sydney, that that was faked, um, that Irina, you know, Jack thinks that he killed her. And then there's some information that maybe he didn't, maybe she was doubled and maybe that's who he killed. The fact that Sydney has another aunt that she didn't know about that has actually been in their lives secretly and they didn't know was also interesting. And then finally we see that scene where Jack kills arena and he does kill her in a harsh way. And then we find out she's not actually dead and she's been buried in a box and they dig her out. And one of the best moments of the season, you know, Sydney and her mom on the plane start to sort of patch things up. And then when she goes to the washroom and Nadia stands up and hands her some clothes and she's like, okay, thanks for the clothes. And then she turns around and she looks at her and realizes who Nadia is. And that was a really sweet moment between the two of them. Um, that was like one of those heartwarming moments in a season that didn't have like too many like heartwarming moments. And then even five seconds later, like we're back into action and they're jumping out of a plane and they're going on a mission, but it was like a nice quiet moment where without saying a lot, they both sort of acknowledge that so much connection between them, even though they don't know each other. And that was really sweet. I don't think that alias has had, any scenes like that um, this year. And it was nice to see that moment of um, of sort of heartwarming levity, so to speak. The Jack radiation um, plot, I thought that was interesting. But to me, his what, what he does isn't surprising at all. You know, uh, we've known that Jack is is a secretive man and at the beginning of the show we thought he was an asshole and let's be honest he was an asshole mm-hmm. but I've always thought that he is an asshole with his heart in the right place when it comes to his daughter yeah and when Sydney was in was in that position you know she was seconds away from getting her face melted uh, I had no doubt that Jack uh, would do would, would sacrifice himself to save his daughter, no matter what the cost was, no matter if he eventually had to lose his life force uh, to save his daughter. Another thing that I thought was kind of nice, and you guys are going to be surprised about what I'm going to say right now, uh, but the whole Vaughn proposing to Sydney thing before the Halo jump, I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. Um, um, I really, um, I really like that touch, and I hope that. When season four kicks off, they're already married or we get like an episode where they run off to church or whatever. And we just see that for some reason. Again, I don't know why I'm wishing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I thought that was nice. And, and, and it will be nice to finally let go of that story point. Like, will they want they crap? We'll, we'll finally put that behind us. And we will finally see where the show goes in its uh, in its final uh, 15 episodes. I, uh, I, I was very, very pleased with this, with, with this second half. Yeah. I was, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. You know, and like you said, Matt, we enjoyed it so much because it sort of went back to alias, uh, alias basics, you know, or, or they just, you know, 
for some reason they 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 paid attention to the fans or they listened or they looked at the ratings and they said oh shit we need to we need to go back to sort of the things that we were famous for and mm-hmm. uh and let's see if that will help you know help uh endear our, in, in, endear ourselves to the fans and and possibly get us a, another season which it did my question is were any of them aware that this up and coming fifth season was going to be their last? Were they aware of it or did they just have to, or did the network come to them like in the first or second week of of, uh, season five and say, guys, uh, we've decided to cancel the show and you guys have to clean this up. Right. Uh, I can't remember to be honest with you. And I, I don't think that they knew it was its last season right away. Mm-hmm. I think that it may have, they had started it. And I think by the time, um, well, I can see here, there's an article from November 30th saying that alias was going to come to an end. Um, so November 30th of that year, they knew then. Uh, so at least it was relatively early into the season that they would have known. But I did like the marriage proposal. I thought it was sweet and it was done in a way that was was nice. And I especially like that she says, like, you know, basically she's going to say yes, but not like this. Like, you know, no. give me give me that romantic proposal. That'll be nice at tell, some point. We're tell, not going to die. Yeah, tell me on the beach. Um, so I liked that. <laughs> and knowing what's to come, I will just <laughs> vaguely oh, say... Uh, I know. I Always remember, never have romantic relationships with your co-star on a TV show. No matter what you do in real life, just don't. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> Please. Just don't. For the fans, just don't do it. <laughs> don't sleep with your co-star and then get all weird around them and have them have to be, weird. you know, unceremoniously fired from the show because you don't want to see their face anymore. Oh, um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. oh, this is something we have to talk about. After, in, in, in <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> we'll dig into that more when we're talking about season five, I'm sure. Uh, but I also, you know, like you said, it was a back to basics, adding the fun back to alias. And, um, even some of the ridiculous stuff was super fun. Like I love when, uh, Arvin clone goes to the B monastery or whatever it is to get the, Rimbaldi orchid and he tries to buy it and the guy won't let him buy it. And then he goes, all right, time for plan B. And then, and then all the bees <laughs> sting those people like to death. Uh, and then he shotguns the one guy in the face. Uh, that was nice. And also there was a really funny moment where Victor Garber got to really do some deadpan. And that is when, uh, Sydney and Vaughn are talking on a mission about, things getting rough and they say oh yeah things are getting rough and she goes oh i thought you like it rough and he goes yeah i'm talking about i like it rough rough like at home like yeah that's great and then she's like oh no are we on comms and victor garber is like yes you both are on comms it was one of the one of the best jack deadpan uh humor moments on the entire show that i had to make a note of it because it was just so funny and victor garber is just awesome um so i was really happy that they let all of the people get a lot more character work this year, as well as having the fun spy stuff and leading into the finale, going on the big mission, basically the four 
the core four family is going to save the day and they only have four hours to do it. So looking forward to seeing how the whole season wraps up in alias fashion, because yeah, this back half was a lot more fun and entertaining than the first. So with that being said, Matt, if you had to uh, give this uh, second half uh, or, or no, or this back half, excuse me, a grade, what would you grade it? I give it a solid B. So yeah, um, you know, if I had to grade it, like I've said, like I've said um, at the beginning of the show, the middle of the show, and like I'm about to say now, I really enjoyed this, and I will give it, uh, I'll give it a, a B minus. All right, guys. So with all that being said and done, I believe uh, that wraps up uh, this edition of Radio Eight One Five, episode twenty one. Um, if you guys have any questions for us or if you guys have any comments, you can reach out to us on Twitter by using the hashtag Radio815. If we ever get anything on there, whether it's troll mail, whether it's positive mail, <laughs> I will read it and I will read it on the show. Matt won't read the troll mail, but I will. <laughs> uh, but if you guys want to talk to us in person, you guys can reach me on Twitter at CreekFanatic88. Matt, uh, what's the best place for... Uh, our fellow fans to reach you if they want to talk to you about anything uh on twitter at matt crandall hit me up all right guys so with that being said and out of the way for my co-host matt crandall i am marcelo Nestroza saying as i often do we'll talk back soon <laughs>